Welcome back to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I'm Samuel Timothy. And I'm Taylor Rowe. Today's episode, we covered the five most important metrics in your marketing funnel or in your demand gen funnel. So uh, we outlined what those metrics are that we measure for our clients, trends that we're seeing in the industry, uh, what we're seeing really leading company, uh, companies rather in the B2B space. What are they doing really, really well? Uh, and what metrics you can look at as a key indicator of are you trending in the, the right direction? How do we measure success? as an organization and as a marketing department. So uh, a lot of great information in this, in this podcast, uh, please subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend and uh, of course, enjoy the episode. Hey Taylor. So we talk a lot about demand gen uh, as one of the uh, key ingredients in uh, making marketing, uh, you know, to contribute to the revenue generation for an organization. So when an organization is starting to do demand generation, obviously there are some key questions that they need to be uh, asking themselves. What are some metrics they should be measuring uh, in terms of figuring out how effective their demand gen campaigns are? So today's episode, we kind of want to get into some of the key KPIs or metrics um, that they should be considering as part of their demand gen uh, initiative. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think one one important piece of information to keep in mind is when we're walking through these uh, metrics that, that we're measuring, uh, this is assuming we have a more mature uh, marketing department, marketing strategy um, that is already generating, you know, traffic and leads and sales, um, you know, via multiple channels. So if you're listening to this and you're, you know, just if you're, you know, a company that's just trying to start with their marketing, um, you know, some of these metrics may not apply or may not apply yet, right? And so I think we'll have another podcast to talk about some early stage marketing metrics that you should be measuring. Uh, but this is for a more mature marketing department or, a, you know, a larger spend. Um, and so the first metric uh, to, to answer your question is uh, what we call CPA, right? And so the acronym stands for cost per acquisition. Um, ultimately, this is, this is what really the main metrics that you should look at. Um, obviously, the the big one on top of that is going to be your ROI, right? Everyone asks, you know, what's the ROI? What's the return on investment when it comes to marketing? Well, how you get to determine that is understanding your cost per acquisition. So uh, really, simply what that means is uh, how much did you spend in your marketing uh, and how many new customers did you acquire, Right. So the key differentiators, we're not talking about cost per lead here. Um, we're not huge believers in that metric. I do believe it is a uh, what we call is a micro KPI. It's something you should look at at a micro level. But I wouldn't make major decisions on your marketing around cost per lead uh, because leads are pretty easy to come by, right? And there's a lot of different definitions and qualifications of what is determined as a lead. Uh, what we really care about is uh, revenue, right? What you know, what puts food on the table, right? And so, uh, the easiest way to do this is add up all your marketing expenses. Um, so it could be your ad spend, it could be agency fees, it could be internal marketing. Um, if you have an SDR team or sales development or business development that's you know generating leads that way and setting appointments. Uh, I would also categorize that under, you know, the marketing expense because it's all about, you know, that those efforts are all about awareness and, and generating, you know, opportunities. So add that all up and divide that by the number of uh, new customers um, that you brought on, right? So uh, if you spent, you know, $1,000 and you, and you brought on 10 new customers, um, just obviously for the sake of math, right? Um, then your cost of acquisition is, is $100 for every $100 uh, that you spent, you got a new customer. 
So understanding that cost per acquisition is really the first step and the key in order to scale any marketing campaigns, to understand if you are profitable, um, to understand your ROI, right? So how, how much did we spend and how many new customers did we acquire? And so you can do this today, even if you aren't in a you know sophisticated marketing uh, organization, right? You're doing something. I'm sure trade shows, you know, email blasts, we subscribe, you know, we have marketing software maybe. Uh, we have somebody who manages our website. Uh, you know, maybe we do have a business development rep. So add that all up and, you know, how much did we really spend and how many new customers uh, did we bring on, right? And at this point, we're not talking about how much revenue those customers brought to us, anything along those lines. That's kind of step two. It's first understanding how much did we spend, how much did we spend, la- you know, last year, last month, last quarter, and what was the net result of that in terms of number of, of new customers, Right. Um, and then the second question when I talk about scalability is, can you, you know, is that scalable, right? Can you, can you, if we spent a thousand dollars and got 10 new customers, we spent a hundred thousand dollars and we got two new customers, whatever the number is, can you, can you double that, right? Can you increase that by 50% and will the output be the same? And so if, if you're not, if you don't have a system in place, right, if you just, you know, if you're getting referrals, word of mouth is really the drivers of those customers, um, you know, you've gone to some trade shows, but there's no more trade shows you can go to in the industry or they've all gone vir- uh, virtual, uh, then the answer would be no, right? You can't scale those efforts. You know, last year we spent $100,000 on three trade shows, but we went to every trade show in the industry. So we can't say next year, let's go spend $200,000 on trade shows and it will equal, you know, double the amount of new customers. So um, that's kind of some insights into what you can do with that. But again, the first metric uh, that we would look at measuring is cost per acquisition. And again, we're looking at acquisition in terms of a new customer, uh, not acquisition in terms of a new lead. Yeah. And I think when you talked about like the trade shows, um, I think if you're, if you're, if uh, all you've done is let's say trade show and there's not more trade shows available then you kind of maxed out in terms of what you can do as well. So I think measuring the cost per acquisition and where you're spending the money and how you're generating the customer is also helpful. Like you said earlier too, uh, even if you're not a sophisticated marketer, this might be something you can easily track um, from how much total investment you're making in the marketing and how many new customers are being acquired. Yep. Absolutely. So the next one obviously is uh, is lifetime value or LTV. Sure. Yeah, that's a, the obvious next step when you talk about, okay, how, what is our cost per acquisition? Uh, when you talk about profitability, scalability, the next thing you really want to look at is um, the customer lifetime value, right? So how much do we spend, spend to acquire these customers and how does that compare to the lifetime value of that customer? Uh, and so this is something that I think is a little bit of a preference in how your organization measures success. Um, and it also depends on your business model, right? So you see this a lot with uh, SaaS companies. Um, you know, they're obviously all getting these super high valuations, um, you know, worth a ton of money. Uh, you see it with, you know, tech companies in terms of apps, you know, Uber and Airbnb and all those companies come to mind. Uh, basically, you know, in the new market like that, the, the company who can spend the most to acquire customers for the longest period of time uh, is going to win, right? Now, not every business has that luxury of outside capital to, to burn in that capacity. But what you need to understand is uh, what is that lifetime value of a customer? And that can help determine how much you're willing to spend. So uh, let's say, you know, obviously we work with a lot of B2B companies. If you're on a recurring business you know, model or a subscription model, right? Whether 
your customers come to you every month or uh, every year, whatever that is, but it's a consistent locked-in contract, something along those lines, it's much easier to predict, right? So let's say, again, you're, you're selling a software and, you know, the subscription rate is, you know, $1,000 a month um, and your average customer stays with you for two years, right? Well, you just multiply that $1,000 a month times 24 months, uh, it's $24,000. So the lifetime value is, is $24,000. And I would do averages because, again, you're going to have customers that pay a lot more and customers that pay a lot less. Um, but what I would what I would avoid doing is just looking at maybe that initial transaction. Um, you know, we work with a lot of manufacturing companies where their first order with a new company uh, would be a small, you know, 5,000, 10,000, something along those lines. But obviously they have to, you know, if they're going to do 100,000 units a year, whatever they're you know, manufacturing with this company, if they're switching over from another vendor, it's unlikely that they're going to move over a, you know, 100,000, a half a million, a million dollar contract without first kind of testing the waters, right? So uh, a lot of times it also, you know, you look at your sales cycle and some of those situations where it may take 12 months for you to really get into that, you know, deal, but they stay for 10 years, right? All your customers have stayed with you for five years, 10 years plus. So you have to consider two things. One is cash flow, right? So you can't just say, um, because you have to look at the payback period, right? So if you said, hey, um, our customers are worth, uh, you know, $200,000, but it's over the course of three years, right? Three year engagement. Um, they're going to pay us $200,000. Uh, so it's going to take us 200, you know, three years to pay that back. It, you know, we can't spend $50,000 to acquire a customer because, you know, we don't have the cash to sustain that, right? If you looked at any other investment and you said, hey, for $50,000, uh, three years in three years, I can turn that into 200. Um, you know, most people would do that. Right. And you would put as, as many, you know, increments of that $50,000 into that investment as you could. Uh, but obviously if you're in a business, you have other, you know, cash flow considerations, you have other expenses that you have to, uh, think about, right. Obviously payroll and equipment and overhead and all those kind of things. So again, I don't, this is something that's specific to each business, but th that's how you really calculate that right in terms of the customer lifetime values basically how much uh, does your average customer pay you uh, over you know what period of time uh, and just do that as an average right and so I would also t look at if if the answer is you know our customers stay for more than five years ten years something like that I would probably shorten it I would I would look at like a two to three year time period uh, because of exactly what I just mentioned is like yes this customer might be worth a million dollars to us over the next 10 years. Um, but it's a hundred thousand dollars a year for 10 years. So let's just say, let's look at a 24 month period, right. And say, okay, this is $200,000. How much are we willing to spend in order to acquire that, that customer? Right. So you take, you know, metric one and metric two and put those together. Um, and that can, that can answer a lot of your questions in terms of how much you're willing to spend, because you're going to look at, you know, what is our cost of acquisition? How much does it cost for us to acquire a customer? And what is that customer worth to us over the next two years, um, you know, let's, let's scale this up. Let's put more money in, or you might look at, this is not, this is not financially, you know, responsible of us, right? We need to fix something within this funnel. Um, a lot of companies also would consider profitability into that, uh, lifetime value. Uh, I think that makes sense. It just depends on your business model, right? Um, you know, we talked about SaaS companies, you know, high margins, um, 
you know, depending on what they're trying to do, obviously, if they're just trying to increase revenue, they're trying to scale, they're trying to take that money, invest it back into the business. You know, profit margins aren't always top of the consideration list. Uh, and maybe high volume manufacturing companies with slim margins uh, may have a different answer to that. So that's something you have to work on internally and answer those questions for yourself. But uh, those first two metrics are huge when it comes to understanding the the success and the value of your your marketing strategy. Yeah, and I think the simple simple thing to keep in mind is if the lifetime lifetime value is greater than the cost of a customer acquisition, which is kind of the first metric that we talked about, then you have all the reason to continue to invest into acquiring new customers. And, and yeah, especially if you if you are factoring in any sort of profitability into that uh, equation, then it's a no brainer. Exactly. Hey, thanks for listening. Solomon here. Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads? You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified? Or maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone, right? Businesses go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes. Uh, maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what, head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms. Talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're a fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at OneIMS and especially with this podcast is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed. All right. So thank you for listening and let's get back to our topic for the day. So I think the, the third um, KPI or the measurement that we need to be looking at is the funnel progression conversion rate. Um, sure. So do you want to talk about that? Sure. So um, if, you, if you're up to date on any you know, marketing uh, technologies, uh, a lot of CRMs are bringing this metric into place too. Uh, you're going to see kind of a deal pipeline and deal waterfall that shows conversion rate through the pipeline, right? So if, you know, just as a standard intro call, discovery call, you know, proposal meeting, uh, agreement sent or negotiation, uh, whatever that is, and then close one, close lost. So if you look at that deal progression in that pipeline and just kind of understanding how each of those metrics are being impacted by your your marketing, um, that's a great place to start. I would even just look at this the simple uh, metric of effect, you know affected pipeline, right? So what I mean by that is marketing sourced opportunities that are in your pipeline. So again, we're we're moving away from this idea of uh, just leads that are being generated and looking at and even in this case discounting that closed revenue because there's a lot of factors that come in and depending on your sales process, sales cycle, um, you you may not really be able to judge marketing success, especially early on, right? If you're, if your average sales cycle is six months or eight months or 12 months, um, you know, it, it's hard to look at six months into a marketing campaign and determine the success just based on cost per acquisition or revenue or profitability ROI compared to lifetime value, right? So this is another way we can look at that and say, let's look at all of the opportunities that we have to close business. So meaning we're at a certain stage of the, the funnel, whatever you determine is once we get to this stage, we have a good chance. These, these leads are qualified. We've talked to the decision makers. We've talked pricing. We've sent out opportunities. We have a good understanding of what needs to be done in order to close this deal. That's what I'm talking about. Whatever stage in that pipeline that is for you, 
look at that and then look at how many of those were sourced through your marketing efforts. And that equation, that answer to that question um, should determine whether or not we're seeing improvement. Uh, then you can look at that a little bit further in, in some of those metrics that you mentioned of how those deals are progressing. The higher the percentage uh, that we're moving through the funnel, right? means that the leads that are being generated are higher quality, right? This has nothing to do with the volume of those leads and everything to do with the stage at which we're converting the leads. So this might give you some indication too into how you're converting leads. Uh, a lot of B2B companies, successful B2B companies are moving away from the uh, open the funnel as wide as you can, gate all of your content, down, download eBooks, and then have you know sales reps follow up a million times with somebody who downloaded an eBook. Uh, because that's a, a volume game. They don't convert very high. Uh, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of a buyer-centric uh, you know, inbound marketing model, right? Because uh, I did it the other day. I saw a report that I thought was interesting. I downloaded it knowing full well that I was going to get bombarded. Uh, I got multiple emails. I got two phone calls um, all within you know a day and a half, right? And I, I, I was not the people's ideal customer profile. It was an, actually another agency. Um, and they didn't really even take the time to look at that, right? So they just like, we're spending money to promote this content asset and I don't even care who downloads it. I'm going to bombard them with with follow-ups, right? So that's, that is a bad indication because then you'll look at that deal progression model and you'll see huge numbers of, you know, intro call or call to qualify and, you know, half of a percent is moving on into the next stage, right? So a big indicator of success would be a, a higher number, 10%, 20%, 50%, you know, 80%, whatever that is. Uh, and obviously, as you get closer, those numbers should be much higher, right? So after that first step, if the first one is intro call, maybe only 30% or 20% move into discovery. But once we get to discovery, you know, 70% move to proposal. And when we're in proposal, we close 80% of those, right? So the higher those percentages are, uh, the better indication that the original leads uh, are higher quality. Um, so that's just kind of a, a bit of an insight there and how we would measure that. Uh, but again, if you just want a quick snapshot, I would just look at the affected pipeline of marketing source pipeline. Yeah, and I think, like you said, I think overall, at the end of the day, it all com comes back to marketing and sales having a good alignment and uh, knowing who your target audiences are and uh, running the right type of marketing campaigns to make sure that you are attracting those sort of buyers into your funnel. Uh, and sure. then marketing and sales working hand in hand to make sure that at the end of the day, that you're efficient in your effort, you know, in reaching the right customers and winning the most customers. Absolutely. So the, the fourth one being the revenue per channel. Yeah. And this is something that's extremely popular. Uh, every every marketing attribution software claims that, you know, they can look at this and you can look at all your marketing channels and you can tell which one is the most profitable, which one's driving the most revenue. Um, I look at it as more of a, an interesting anecdote, right? So I think it's something important to keep, keep track of. Um, I don't think it tells the whole picture, right? Because it's not how we as customers, we as consumers, we as buyers make purchase decisions. It's not a singular point of interaction. Uh, especially within B2B organizations, right? Uh, now, if you were a uh, if you were e-commerce and you're selling clothing lines, something like that, uh, I think it'd be very easy to look at influencer marketing versus social media ads versus you know Google AdWords versus uh, you know other e-tail partners that we're in with, and you can just look at that revenue per channel. It doesn't take a ton of 
touch points and interactions. Uh, the business that we're in, in terms of business to business, uh, there's a lot of touch points, right? And so <clears throat> you can you can be active on social media, you can be active in events, publications, uh, you can run ads on on Google, you can create a ton of content that drives organic traffic, um, and then you know you could influence that you know decision maker. They can t- companies talk internally. And then they go back and they go directly to your website or they go to Google and search your company name. And all of a sudden that lead and that revenue is attributed to direct traffic or organic search, right? When in reality, we know there was a million other touch points that aren't always tracked, right? So it does depend on how you're, you're tracking your attribution. Um, there's m- different models that you can track for attribution. But I just want to make sure everyone knows like this is never going to be perfect. Um, so you take it with a grain of salt. That's why I say it's interesting uh, stat and data to to take a look at. Um, I think you can probably eliminate some channels based on it if they're not really. You can tell they're not driving any traffic. They're not, you know, influencing the lead in any way. Um, but I wouldn't just look at you know and say, well, all of our you know all of our revenue comes from direct traffic. So you know our, our marketing efforts are you know, all for nothing, right? So well, why is our direct traffic going up every single month? Well, because we're investing more into our social media presence and we're, you know, we're driving more organic traffic. We're doing this right and now. People are coming back to direct traffic. They're hearing about us. We're doing a great job of brand awareness. Um, you know, we got, we were on a, a popular podcast last month, right? Like is your attribution software going to show that you were on a popular podcast, that podcast was clipped up and then shared on LinkedIn. And then people shared that internally with an organization and then the decision maker went directly to your website uh, because they were shared that that podcast and then they filled out a form. You're going to look at organic results or direct traffic and say, you know, hey, this is what's driving that revenue. So I do think it's important to kind of keep an eye on, um, but I wouldn't put it up there in terms of a huge decision making factor and changing your marketing strategy in a drastic way. Yeah, we've done an entire podcast around this whole concept yep. of attribution in the past. Yeah, but I think overall you just need to be cautious, right? That hey, that, you know, just because some channel may not have direct impact on your revenue, they might be you know complementing, right? In terms of what all the other things you might be you might be doing, uh, getting you introduced to the right prospects, uh, and then the last being the pipeline velocity as one of the measure, uh, KPIs to measure. Yeah, to me, this is um, a huge indicator of success, and it's uh, almost the opposite of. You know the, exactly what we talked about with that revenue per channel. It's it's this understanding of if we're we're doing the right things and we're truly driving demand, we're we're touching uh, our, you know our prospects in multiple different channels. What we really should be looking at is that outcome, right? Is we there's a little bit of a, a gray area, a dark area, a black box that's always been associated with marketing. It's like we're we're doing all these efforts. We know we're generating leads and opportunity and they're turning into customers. But one way we can look at that at the macro level is, are these deals closing faster? Because what that is an indicator is, is that we're doing a better job of educating our potential customers through our marketing initiatives. And then when they reach out to us, they're much further along in that sales process. They already have bought into our system. They've already bought into... Uh, our process. Uh, we've built enough brand equity or brand affinity that they have a bias towards us already and they want to work with us, right? That means you have to do less selling, right? Uh, and more consultative, 
you know, <clears throat> sales process on the sales side, which means ultimately you should sell that deal faster, uh, which is, again, in direct contrast to the old B2B model of <clears throat> having people sign up for a webinar or download an ebook. Those are early stage buyers, uh, you know, they could be three years away from making a decision. So that sales velocity, that sales pipeline, that time to close is going to be much, much longer. So if you're executing at a high level on all your marketing initiatives and your inbound, you know, uh, conversion path and, uh, you know, inbound marketing process, if you will, uh, is, you know, high level, then you're going to actually see that pipeline velocity, um, increase or you know move faster right whatever way you want to look at it so we're going to close deals in a shorter amount of time and this actually uh could be completely separate like you don't have to increase the lead volume to increase roi or profitability if you just increase pipeline velocity because now it takes less resources and less time to close a deal that's a win and that's something that goes unmeasured and unnoticed in a lot of sales organizations right um a lot of you know historically sales teams have been paid a lot more um than you know marketing departments because it's a lot of work right to bring on business and a lot of times it's almost magic what they're doing because they're pulling business and opportunities out of thin air and it might take them 5 years to work on a deal so now we got to pay them high high you know base salaries and commissions because they're the only ones that can drive new business right that model's going away Salesperson is not the only one that has access to that information. The customers now have access to the information because they're getting that information from the marketing department. And now when they're converting, again, companies that are succeeding at this model, now when they're converting, they're much closer to that close, requires less work, less education by the salesperson, um, which means your sales expenses should be cheaper Takes in terms of who you have to hire to make that happen. Uh, and you have less salespeople to manage and handle these leads because you don't have to, each salesperson doesn't have to follow up with hundreds of leads at a time because they're closing much faster. So um, kind of an, an unknown or you know little known, I would say, uh, measurement or way to look at your ROI and performance is just looking at that pipeline velocity and, and how that's changing as you're improving and investing into your marketing strategies. And I think if you're improving the pipeline velocity, it also affects your cost per acquisition because you're shortening the time it takes to close a deal, which obviously reduces the amount you're spending on acquiring that customer. And if the customers are coming on earlier, they're sticking with you longer, now your lifetime value has improved. And then obviously that's going to affect your funnel progression because it's it's also moving the deals much for, you know further along the funnel, right? And you're seeing the progression of those deals much faster. And then I, I'm sure it has some impact. You can see it on your revenue per channel as well. So ultimately, the pipeline velocity does uh, impact all the other metrics that we may have um, we touched on as well. That's what we call for full circle right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree with you. I mean, like I said, that pipeline velocity impacts your ROI um, almost as much as everything else because all of those other metrics that we talked about earlier uh, are impacted and affected. So um I think you did a perfect recap there. I think it's a good place to to end the episode. So hopefully you guys enjoyed. Uh, hopefully you learned uh, at least one thing from this podcast. If you did, please give us a like, subscribe to the podcast, um, share it with a friend or colleague, uh, and submit any any topics or questions that you want us to cover in the future. We love hearing your feedback. Uh, we'll see you next time. All right, so if you enjoyed this episode, here are five things that you could do to help us. 
Number one, make sure you click that subscribe button so you never miss another show. Number two, share this with a friend that you know needed to hear this. And three, leave us a comment. We love hearing your thoughts, your ideas, things that you've learned so others can learn from you. And four, if you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, let us know so we can put that in our notes and share our insight all right, for our next episode or the one after that. And finally, you guys, join other growth marketers. Head over to oneims.com and check out all the resources that we have made just for you. I'm talking guides, webinars, blogs, videos, anything that could help you become a growth marketer. All right. So thanks a lot for joining us this week on the Growth Marketers Podcast, and I will see you next time.